You're tuned into The K Mag Podcast. Online source for horror, thriller, and sci fi entertainment news. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DK Mag Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, science fiction, thriller, across movies, television, video games, every platform. My name is Ken Artuz, I am your host, and joining me tonight as co-host is... Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mag. Be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash DK Mag. Your donations will help us bring future episodes as a Patreon. Receive bonus content as on free and discount on upcoming DK Mag merchandise. Absolutely. Do stop by our Patreon page and donate. Yeah, help the cause. Fight the power. Uh, love your neighbor. Uh, what other slogan we could put in, Stacy? I'm, I'm out of slogans right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. Bring everybody to the party. <laughs> you know, there you go. I'm not good coming up with slogans. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a special podcast tonight. We have two exclusive interviews. One is with actress Piper Lincoln. We're going to be discussing her upcoming film, The Barn really creepy concept there has to do with zombies but it's not what you think amazing little film there and also actress Michaela Lysiak and wow Stacy she is a young actress and that really surprises me it, it when it actors young actors uh, start in horror and thriller I'm always fascinated it's just starting at such a young age and exploring this genre it's 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 amazing don't you think Stacy? I do um, most uh, young actors start off in something like Disney or you know Nickelodeon um, so to get their start in horror is actually very cool. Right. And Michaela Lysak, she's just 14 years old and she stars in Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes. She's also in the TV series The Last Ship. Uh, yeah, she's done uh, non-horror, but I was like, wow, these two are pretty, pretty uh, strong for the resume there. In any event, we have television topics to cover and also, of course, trailer first impression. Without further ado, here is DK Mag Podcast. Segment 1. Television Streaming. M. Night Shyamalan's TV thriller cast developments. As we all know, M. Night Shyamalan is making a comeback with film 
he has glass in the works and that is a branch off a spin-off from unbreakable and it, it looks intriguing it's also a spin-off from split it's intriguing i i think m night Shyamalan is is onto something good re reinvigorating his career but we have word that he has a television series in the works and it's for apple's upcoming psychological thriller the plot the title is under wraps but we do have a cast in development actress lauren ambrose for those who may not know she starred in a one of my favorite tv series six feet under and nell tiger free of course if you are a game of thrones aficionado that name will sound familiar in any event, M. Night Shyamalan is joined by writer Tony Bagaslap, and this is what we have so far. Uh, the story to this TV series is about parents Dorothy and Sean Turner, who have hired young nanny Leanne to help care for their newborn child. Actress Ambrose will portray the mother Dorothy Turner and actress Free will portray the nanny Leanne Grayson so this is a series okay not much to go on but let's just talk about M. Night Shyamalan he's doing some projects he was supposed to do Tales from the Crypt and that didn't work out for many reasons thank goodness he he didn't do that but like i said stacy he's doing glass which is which is great split was a good movie and now he has this project which we ha don't have much to go on but it sounds interesting what do you think stacy um yeah well i am uh happy that he's not doing um as you've mentioned uh scary stories to tell in the dark no offense but that uh or no did you no you meant to tell from the crypt i'm sorry i'm still stuck on scary stories to tell dark. yeah you're looking forward to that movie that's and, why uh, i actually wonder what is yeah i um uh, forgive me i i actually wonder i'm wondering what's happening with that production but as far as my shimmeling um I'm not really a big fan of his movies. Um, I will say that the trailer for Glass uh, actually intrigued me. And now that I know that it's, you know, uh, what did you say? It's inspired by Split as well as... Um, Unbreakable. What's the other movie you said that Unbreakable? Um, both movies of which I still have yet to see. What? Um, so that's actually, um, yeah. So that is also exciting to me. I have, yeah, I have to see both of them and I do plan on seeing them. Um, so, but now, as far as this, uh, now it says Apple. Is that the company Apple or is that something totally different? Right. So, as you well know, Stacy. Uh, TV show. No, it's Apple. Apple, the the, the company. 
everybody's jumping onto streaming service now amazon apple hulu netflix everybody knows this is the future I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but um, so uh, that's just actually kind of funny because is th is this the first time Apple has um has delved into like movies? Well, that's or the yeah, that's the first time I'm, I'm hearing that. <coughs> well, wow, so that's let's see. Okay, a, a, um, a quick little search. Yeah, Apple has been doing some television content. They have a comedy series in the works, and they have this one in the works. They have a sci-fi series in the works. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they're really jumping into the game. Is there involvement with it though? I mean, it, is it is it? gonna be like on like netflix and hulu is it like original content right you know with apple or yes because um, that's what it is All yes right. and yes. then what is that platform exactly apple for people who have ipods and i devices it makes sense because hey amazon has it for kindle and nooks and crannies or whatever right. whatever devices they have so a lot of people have Apple products. Makes sense that they're doing this. But yeah. I think, I, but I think it's a little too late in the game because there's a lot of competition. They they have to do something really outrageous. Oh yeah. Well, so then what are people are going to go pretty much onto the iTunes store? Right. Yep. See the stuff rented. Yes. Now, see that right there is, uh, yeah, I don't know because, like you said, it's playing the game, but also, I mean, unless they came up with some kind of subscription plan, like, you know, Netflix or Hulu, Amazon, uh, then <laughs> how would that really benefit? Well, Amazon, Amazon charges, <laughs> right? And I think they charge. Yeah, they do. Right. And who but Hulu and Netflix are totally different. Yeah. You could watch Nef Netflix yeah, and they Hulu have on a monthly subscription. Yeah, but you could watch that on any Yeah, they have a monthly Oh, that's true. And with Apple, like it's pretty much strict, strictly their product. Right. Right. Well, let's see. Well, well uh, <laughs> <laughs> M. M. Night Shyamalan wanted to do a series. He didn't get to do Tales from the Crypt, so I guess he's doing this one. And according to the article, he's producing and directing the first episode. So we 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 don't have that much to go on. Psychological thriller, barely any type of description. I I don't know what's the psychological thriller there. You have a nanny, a couple. What is it? A love triangle? They don't say much. Yeah, I I hate that, but um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, you got the giggles tonight. Yeah, but see, I'm still trying to wrap my whole mind around Apple 
jumping on the um, you know bandwagon here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, what what, what can I, you do? Uh, they're pre- they're pretty late in the game. Yeah, they are. But also, I'm feel like, how do they think they're really gonna compete with like Netflix and Hulu? I mean, and I think Amazon Prime is probably like just barely competing, really, because you got the whole, like I said, the whole subscription thing. It's much better to you know get like Netflix or Hulu for a few bucks a month then it's like with Amazon with Amazon Prime you know some stuff you can view for free some stuff costs and even that I didn't understand that like if I'm gonna be paying uh, this lump sum of a hundred plus dollars a year I want you know I want unlimited streaming that's what I want. I want to understand. I don't want to still be bringing money out of my pocket to watch different titles. You know what I'm saying? What's the point in that? Exactly. Well, it would have been cool if M. Night Shyamalan would have had something with Hulu or Netflix. I think that would have yeah. been big time. I think that would have been a better. But like I said, he wanted to do a series. He got Apple. <laughs> and that's what like I love Apple, you know, I mean I I have an iPhone, I I wanna get me a Mac and then everything. I love Apple, but like also being able to watch stuff virtually anywhere should be possible, not just strictly to Apple products. Right. Well because Apple is competing with Android. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna be and, a and, and Kindle, right? Apple is competing with Kindle. Right. In that aspect, like in that aspect, like Apple has more competition now. Right, but I all I know is they're extremely in last place when it comes to streaming. They have to come so, oh, something yeah, really good. That's what I was saying. That's why I'm laughing. It's like, wait a minute. They didn't think this all the way through. <laughs> they just said, hey, why don't we just do this? Like, this, this is something like they just planned overnight. They didn't think it all the way through. <laughs> AHS Apocalypse Cast Developments. More news on American Horror Story Season 8 Apocalypse. Connie Britton is returning, and this is surprising in the sense that um, she has been MIA since the first season, Murder House. And I finally uh, caught myself up on the season, um, so I can actually talk a little bit more about um, all of them. The only one I still have to watch is Cough. But um, another exciting name coming back and I think just about everybody is excited for this one is Jessica Lane. As we know um, Jessica Lane I believe her last season she was in was Freak Show. I don't think she was in Hotel um, but she was in Freak Show and I think that was the last season before she uh, dropped out. So it's exciting to finally have her coming back as well. 
um, as well as some of the regulars, which includes Sarah Paulson, Evan Peters, Kathy Bates, Billy Lord, Emma Roberts, Billy Eichner, Leslie Grossman, Adina Porter, Shane Jackson, Gabri. Oh, I am going to butcher this name. Gabri Sidibi, Lily Robbie, Francis Conroy, and Stevie Nicks is also um, returning. I know she had a surprise, a surprise entrance in Covenant. Uh, Kim, what do you think about um, about Apocalypse? You already know this is uh, very exciting to me. I um, <laughs> I can't even explain how excited I am to tune in to Apocalypse. But what about the uh, teaser trailers we've been seeing that they've been showing on TV? Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, this is going to be one American Horror Story season I am going to watch. And as I as I uh, told you uh, before, Stacey, I, I most likely will DVR it. So I will, may not see it the very same day, but I'll, but I'll watch it on the DVR. And I've been looking forward to this because you, Stacey, have been advocating for this for years. We have it on tape. You said it here first. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, you came up with the idea. Yes, I've been, uh, I've been screaming apocalypse for like ever. I mean, you would have thought they would have been come up with this concept. They kept playing around, or I should say rumors kept showing all these ridiculous concepts such as like the Manson family and I'm just like wait what? Radioactive <laughs> what does radioactive mean? Like what is this? Come on it's the apocalypse but how could you not have thought about this sooner? Right so yeah I want to know I, I, I see the cast is very interesting we have some returning cast members but since I haven't followed American Horror Story uh, every season, I don't know what particular one they're from. Uh, you know, you know uh, Stacy more than I do in that area. But I'm just so curious on what Apocalypse is going to be about. Well, here's a little something here on the wrap. It says... Um Britain and McDermott would be so integral integral to the upcoming story. In season one, Vivian gave birth to twins after being raped by Tate. Tate's mother, Constance, adopted the one living baby, his demonic offspring, Michael, who, has last, who was last seen giggling as a toddler covered in blood after murdering his baby sister in the season one finale. But we're living happily as ghosts in the murder house in the final episode. And Fern has been cast as a grown-up and as a grown-up Michael in Apocalypse. So yeah, we'll see how that works out for the Harmon and the rest of humanity, quote unquote. Uh, so I guess there's a little uh, what sneak peek, if you will, about uh, 
what apocalypse or how it ties into apocalypse, I should say, because there is no um, synopsis revealed as of yet. Well, sounds sounds interesting. I, I could just can't wait. I just can't wait to see how everything develops. Roanoke for me was interesting because I enjoyed that ghost story uh, abduction type of thing. Plus, it had Cuba Gooding Jr., so that was that's what attracted me here. But Apocalypse, whoa! And you mentioned those trailers and stuff and uh, the poster art. Well, I gotta give it to them. They they are really getting creepier and creepier. This reminds me of Hotel when those trailers were creepy. I, I don't think Roanoke was as creepy as Hotel in, in terms of trailers. And these trailers for Apocalypse, wow. Especially the, po the poster art looks amazing. I, I like that. I wouldn't mind having that poster art in, in the office here. It looks cool. Well, you know what? The thing about um, for a lot of these seasons, I think the intro to them is probably more creepier than the actual season itself. Have you noticed that? Like they have that creepy introduction. Right, right. Have yeah, you noticed yeah. how just like, you know, creepy it is and you just like, oh man, what's your for freak show? I couldn't understand what was going on in that whole um in that whole introduction. I'm like, wait, what is going on here? Exactly. <laughs> so <clears throat> and you know, growing up uh, I liked it up until they came up with the whole return to Roanoke and then crack. Like, what is this? Like, I, I like the My Roanoke Nightmare. I like that segment of it. But uh -huh. then when it came to Return to Roanoke, I felt like I was watching a soap opera. Yeah, that drag, that part was just idiotic. It, it, it felt like it, it was rushed, in my opinion. So, I, I agree there. Oh, yeah, I was just, I was, I was ready to turn it off, but I was just like, you know, I'm just going to sit through it because I really want to catch up here before uh, Apocalypse comes, but Cost is not available on Hulu or Netflix yet, so I can't watch Cost until that's available. But uh, I'm glad it was only 10 episodes because I'm like, man, I don't know how much more longer I can take this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just shaking my head. like, And for a minute, Freak Show was getting like that too. Freak Show was turning into a soap opera. I'm like, man, why is this so depressing all of a sudden? <laughs> well, in my opinion, yeah. I think the first season was the best one. That was creepy. It was good. Yeah. Season two was it was so it was just wacky. Whoa! Like what the hell's going on here? And and I was just like I didn't even notice that Connie Britton um, hasn't been in it since season one until like now. I'm just like oh wow, she she was only in season one. So mm -hmm. it's actually uh, really exciting that she's coming back again along with Jessica Lane. So because you know a lot of people. A lot of people are uh, anticipating her return. Yeah, 
Yeah, and so I've read across Twitter. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of American horror fans are looking forward to that cast lineup. Heck, a lot of people tuned in for Jessica. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when she left, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, all hope is gone now. Everybody went into demise when she left. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do now? What right, right. Become? <laughs> well, all you got to do is wait and see. Wait and see. That's 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 the key right here. I, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. I want to see what how everything develops. I hope the apocalypse theme really sticks to the apocalypse theme and is not just for mm -hmm. advertising. And then we watch the film and it's set in modern time uh, with a lot of people having their drama. Oh, yeah. I hope so as well. Like you said, those are the poster art, the trailers, the teaser trailers are so far has gotten my excitement at an all-time high. So, yeah, we'll definitely wait and see. And this is one that I will tune in for. As you know, I hate commercials, but for the sake of this season, I will live through the commercials because I don't believe I have DVR to record. Vampy Video Game Get TV Series Development We are all aware of the video game to film adaptations. So most, uh, scratch that, all video game to film adaptations are horrendously bad. But, video game to television series? Hmm, that's something interesting. And here we have Vampire. Vampire released on the 5th of June 2018 from the developer Don't Not Entertainment and it was produced by Nicholas Simon. Uh, Vampire is an action role-playing game. It's a video game. It's available right now for Windows, via Steam, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Interesting. It is set in a world where vampires, of course, that is the, the supreme character in this game, uh, you have to do combat, the, uh, you have to battle bosses, you have to uh, develop your character, uh, there's some weapons and supernatural abilities that you get during the game and the video game is set during the era of the Spanish flu in the backdrop of London it's an open world which is great so that means you could explore different areas and do side missions hey it, it interests me this game when I first seen it and it reminds me, for those who are old enough to remember, it reminds me of Vampire the Masquerade. That's the only type of game I could think of that really parallels this one. Anyway, so now it is getting a TV series via Fox 21 Television Studios, and it's under development by McG Wonderland's Sound and Vision and DJ2 Entertainment. That's interesting. 
uh, I'm just gonna go by the plot of the video game because the, not much information is provided for the TV series. So it is set in London, 1918, and it revolves around a morally righteous doctor who mysteriously turns into a vampire and is now torn between his solemn commitment to save lives and his insatiable urge to feed. With a deadly virus spreading that only he can cure, the doctor must decide who to kill in his tight-knit community to stay alive long enough to save everyone from certain death. Hmm, Stacy, this is interesting. We have a character who is torn between good and evil. What do you think about this? Um, actually, I think that's interesting. Um, what is that like? Antagonist, antagonist and protagonist uh, type of deal here. Uh, I do like the synopsis. And actually, I mean, I, I feel like, because I've never played the uh, video game or anything, so this is my first time hearing about it. But I feel like if they do this right, it can actually be really good. And it has to be gory. Yeah, I feel like this is. Uh, I feel like this has to be really, you know, the blood has to flow. <laughs> right, right. I hear but, what you're um, saying. You, you, you played the video game. How was the, how was the game like? Um, the game did it follow this synopsis, or was the game completely different from what they're going into for <laughs> the the series? Well, I'm reading off of the game synopsis, so. That's pretty much what we got here. Uh, the TV series is going to be based on this game. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Oh, this is a game synopsis. Yeah, this but I'm... Synopsis for the... Okay. Yeah. But like I said, I'm hoping a TV series does good because you and I know when video games are made into movies, they suck. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, but you know what? The way... Um, I feel like the way uh, this is, the way this synopsis is, it sounds like it might be better for a movie, but uh, I agree with you, uh, video games into movies don't do too well. I mean, for one thing, we always talk about, you know, the graphics and everything, so it's much better on the video game than it is on the movie. Right, exactly. And I'm still waiting for that day. I mean, this is a perfect example where they should do an animated series, but not, you know, not hand-drawn. I'm talking CGI. They could make a TV series, CGI, no actors, just voiceovers, with Vampire as the, uh, as the idea that would really catch on. That is thinking outside the box, and I'm surprised nobody has thought of that. They do something like that with anime, don't they? Right, right. There's there's anime. Uh, we have Godzilla, but that's the that's more hand drawn, mixed with CGI. Uh, the last movie that I seen that was anime was Resident Evil. That was all CGI, and it was amazing. They should do it. I mean, I think it will cost more money, but the return, you'll get a lot of viewers. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Like, anime is... I haven't seen much anime, but from what I've seen, uh, I love the... Gra- I mean, I love the storylines, the graphics. It's like... I don't know. Anime is, like, different from everything else. I feel like anime is, like, a whole world of its own. Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up with the stuff. And I've seen it change so much. I need to get back out into it. But I think Vampire will work great like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I'm trying to... I'm up here reading this and I was like, how would they... How would they stretch that into a series? Like yeah. this synopsis. Okay. simple. Like, huh. Sounds like it could be a movie, but... Uh, they'll probably mess the movie up, but I'm wondering how would they, like, how would that, you know, survive a theory? I think it will. I think it will. Given that what we're yeah. reading here, the synopsis, I think it could go into so many. That di- uh, you could have two episodes mm-hmm. of this doctor just being angry at himself because he has to kill people to survive. And at the same time, he's a doctor and he needs to save lives. You could stretch that into, woo, yeah, I think it works best as a TV series. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing it now. Oh, yeah, this is definitely interesting. And um, I do want to tune in for that one. Yeah, I want to see the backdrops, the set designs, how they're going to recreate 1918 London. I, I always enjoy right? when TV series like that. that is- Yes, I'm excited for that set in 1918 London. I'm like, that should be interesting right there. Right. And we have seen many shows like that. We have seen The Alienist. That's a period piece. We have seen Penny Dreadful. That was also a period piece. So, yeah, 1918 London. Oh, I can't wait. I know it's going to be moody and dark and dirty. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, like, they back that far, wouldn't it be, like, in black and white? When did movies uh, come in color? <laughs> I don't know, like the 60s. Wow, I don't know, the 60s? I think, I don't know. I'm getting too technical here. <laughs> uh, but I, but I want to know, you mentioned earlier, I want to know if the Nosferatu character is in this, too. Uh, that would be cool if they have different type of vampires because Nosferatu isn't that around that time as well yeah the 19 yeah yeah yeah. Uh, well I'm looking forward to this I can't wait to see the trailer to see how everything is put together and the acting no information on the cast yet so everything is just up in the air Perhaps in another six months, we'll get some more information. Kill Creek Novel Gets TV Development Showtime has put into development Kill Creek. It will be an hour-long drama based on Scott Thomas's award-winning novel of the same name. Co-creator Misha Green of Underground and... Scott Derrickson of Doctor Strange. He will also direct. Co-producing is Showtime and Platform One Media. 
the production and distribution studio uh, launched by TPG Growth and Liberty Global with Katie O'Connell March. In Kill Creek, when best-selling for author Sam McGarver and three fellow masters of the McCabe-Burr reluctantly agreed to spend Halloween night in one of the country's most infamous haunted houses, their presence awakens an entity that will torment and threaten to make them part of Kill Creek's blood legacy. So, Ken, that synopsis, uh, it sounds familiar. Uh, what do you think about Kill Creek? I mean, it says they're and it awakens a presence, an entity that will torment and threaten and make them a part of Kill Creek's blood legacy. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, it it does in a way, but uh, for some reason, I <clears throat> regret we re received the book to review and regret that everything was going on at the time we couldn't review the book but yeah this this is this is interesting even though it does have a plot that seems so familiar it just interests me for some for some strange reason i am compelled to watch this and plus come on 2017 Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a First Novel. Now, let me tell you, that's the award given to this book. That type of award doesn't go around easily. Uh, to get the Bram Stoker Award for writing, uh, you have to be very good at what you do. So with that said, even though it sounds like we have seen this before, I, th I think we're in for a good treat. <laughs> these are one of those. Uh, these are one of those times that we gotta disregard the synopsis here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and actually, I want to read the book Kill Coke. I, I I definitely want to read that book before the. Uh before the series airs, I am very interested in that synopsis. Right, right. Hill Creek. Hey, if it's original content and fresh, we always talk about getting fresh content, new stuff. Hey, this is one of them. It doesn't have Freddy. It doesn't have a Jason. It doesn't have none of that stuff. That's people are. are rebooting all the time it has something different and i'm looking forward to that can't wait for the trailer so i want to see how everything is put together yes i do too um wow so that's pretty much all of these uh series that we're looking forward to right we we got a good roster here we have uh m night Shyamalan. i'm curious uh, American Horror Story. I, I think we're both curious to it. We both yeah. will be tuning in. <laughs> Vampire, based off a video game. Ooh, that's interesting right there. And closing out this uh, segment, segment one, with Hill Creek, the novel gets a, an adaptation. Ooh, 
if it was on Netflix, I think it would be a way better uh, product uh, because Netflix, well, Showtime, yeah, Showtime, they do show some good stuff too. Uh, yeah, scratch that, scratch that. Yeah, Showtime, do, they do show because I remember in Dexter, it was a long standing series. So, yeah, oh, in any event, I'm rambling here, Stacy. Yeah, I want to watch it. You want to read it? Consider it done. It's just coming your way. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I last read a uh, good horror suspense. Sounds like horror suspense. It's been a, oh, wow. So I'm definitely looking forward to reading that. Oh, and I'm, f- and I'm looking forward to reading your review. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, I get to review it. <laughs> Segment two exclusive interview. Actress Piper Lincoln. These papers and TV and radio, they're talking a lot about killings that have been going on. This is the fourth body found in Sugar Grove, Virginia in the last 10 days. The authorities have confirmed it is the work of the same serial killer. Sheriff Deputy Clarkson is on scene investigating. You know, we found a body right down the road. Right at the edge of your property. Tell me something. Why are you here? Someone died in this house 42 years ago. The clip you just finished listening to is for the upcoming film titled The Barn. It is written by Algerian and Matt Bourgeois and is directed by Matt Bourgeois. The film synopsis is a serial killer strikes Sugar Cove, Virginia. A rising journalist comes to town to cover the story. Her investigation will soon lead her to the town's darkest secret at her own risk. Part of our exclusive coverage of The Barn, we have an interview with the lead actress Piper Lincoln. Miss Lincoln portrays the role of Melissa Crawford in this very intriguing film that if you catch the trailer on YouTube, it's evident that it's a zombie film, but quite unlike any other zombie film on the market. In any event, Piper Lincoln, if her name sounds familiar, she is the daughter of Lar Par Lincoln, who starred in the 1988 slasher film Friday the 13th Part seven in which Larpar Lincoln stars as Tina Shepard. Without further ado, here is my interview with Piper Lincoln in which we discuss various aspects of her career, the film to which she stars in titled The Barn, and other topics that revolve around the horror genre. 
Hi, good afternoon, good morning. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for your time for this interview. I've been looking forward to this and um, I'm excited to talk about the barn. So whenever you're ready to start firing away at questions, you just go for it. I'd like to start off the interview by giving the interviewing opportunity to present an origin story uh, every actress performer actor filmmaker has that enticing origin story please uh, feel free to from your humble beginnings all the way up to your acting career okay well um so i was born into acting basically i was born in los angeles um my mother is laura park lincoln and she is known for her role in friday the 13th part 7 and many other different things. And so I kind of grew up in that world thinking, you know, maybe I'll be an actress, maybe I won't. I wasn't really sure. So I did a lot when I was um, when I was younger through my early teen years. And then I decided I really wanted to study infectious diseases. So I went to school for that. I graduated from the University of North Texas and I studied international relations and biology. And then I also studied French. So after I graduated, I figured I would just go to France and travel around and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And then when I was here, I met my boyfriend, of course, and um, decided to move to Paris and just kind of try living in Europe. And once I got here, actually, it was about a year after I was here, I found a casting call for Americans and decided to just go ahead and do it and consider it a hobby. Um, five films later, I end up shooting at the barn and it's definitely turned into more than a hobby for me again. It's kind of returned as my calling in life. I was born into it. I guess it's kind of what I'm meant to be doing. So it seems like a, a perfect fit now. That is intriguing. And just by hearing, uh, your, your, your decision to dive into uh, uh, the performing arts, being an actress, and most persons uh, go through the same mindset that you just described, unsure what to do, but yet that performing arts bug is calling at them. And sometimes persons achieve it, other times, such as in your case, <laughs> uh, you heard the calling. Yeah. And it's, you know, once that bug bites you, it's really hard to get it out of your mind. Once you um, take that leap and start doing projects and films and experience how much fun it is to play a different character, that's it. That's just, it's kind of like game over, you know, you have to keep going. And that's definitely how I feel. So. Oh, uh, great. It's, and that especially with uh, horror cinema. I mean, there's so much uh, diverse narratives that you could just jump into and each is as compelling as the rest, like psychological thrillers and, and such as the case with The Barn is pretty intriguing stuff based on the trailer I've seen. Oh, it's a really cool film. Um, it's definitely a psychological thriller. It kind of, you know, it starts in one way and you don't really know where it's going to take you, which was so cool when I was reading the first script, like my first read of the script. Um, I immediately knew, I was like, this is going to be a fantastic movie. I can't wait to, you know, get there and do it and see the final product because it's, like you said, there's so many different 
creative ideas for horror and thriller movies that when you find one that really kind of speaks to you and you, you feel like you can play the character in a really genuine way and you are excited to see where it's going to take you. I think that's just, it's just awesome. So, um, I, I can't wait to, to see the final product cause I haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, why? I'm curious. Uh, why is that the case? Uh, the performers uh, act the role, but they never get to see the product. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I know, I know this from my mom's experience too. There's, there's one of two reasons that usually happens. The first one is, which is my case. Um, they've been working on it. They've been editing, you know, they've been finalizing everything and then they want to get it distributed and they want to send it to festivals. And especially with all, you know, the web security, it's not safe to usually send the whole file by email or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's likely my situation. I'm dying to see it. So I'm just waiting for that release on September 4th. Um, but there's also a second reason, which is a lot of actors hate watching themselves mm -hmm. on screen and it can be really awkward and almost, you just feel so weird watching yourself play somebody else. Um, and I definitely feel weird sometimes watching, but at the same time, I, I love watching from the opposite side of the camera once it's done. I like seeing how the lighting turned out and how, you know, the camera guy decided to shoot the scene and, and where I play into all of that, too. So, yeah, I'm really excited, basically. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before, the, the, the awkward feeling of seeing themselves on, on the larger small screen. <laughs> it's so strange. It really is. And I find it, uh, I found the parallel, uh, which is humorous in a way. Uh, you studied infectious diseases and somewhat the bard uh, delves into that arena. Exactly. That was something that was so cool also because and I'm really, I'm a geek about infectious diseases. I've got tons of books about them. Like the crazier, the better. I'm so into it. And this film definitely touches on some sort of like dystopian um, weird zombie disease that takes over and it's it's really it's a cool idea and I was excited to play the reporter kind of investigating what was going on in this town mm, right and the the name of your character uh, Melissa Crawford uh, just based on a trailer in the trailer alone uh, I see that uh, she is going to get herself into some uh, really difficult predicaments there. She's really determined on investigating what is going on in this town. Absolutely. She is very hard-headed almost, like stubborn. She's going to figure it out. She doesn't care what she has to do. She's clearly trying to make her way up and be taken um seriously as a journalist and as a reporter you know she's young she's clearly got a vision for herself and she wants to go for those really hard crazy almost dangerous and risky stories so she ends up in this little town and um definitely gets herself into some interesting situations for sure mm. One thing with horror, and when I saw the trailer for The Barn, it really stuck out more as a the, 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 narr the narrative is so rich. It comes out across like a narrative of a video game where the protagonist has to look for clues and find out what the mystery is in the, the town. It doesn't translate as a traditional zombie movie or mystery. 
That's actually a really cool way to put it. I didn't actually think of it more as a video game narrative, but you're you're right. It definitely does sound like one of those really cool games where you really have to pick up on all the little subtleties and things that you see. And it's, um, I think that definitely will be a part of the film. It's going to be one of those where you need to sit and pay attention. Um, because I know that even when I was reading the script, I was like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm really trying to have to put it together. It's almost like a mystery novel where you know, there's this clue, but is that a real clue or, or is it trying to mislead me? Um, and that's what makes this movie so interesting. Uh, and, and so much of a thriller and a psychological thriller at that, because you really have to get your whole head into it and try to figure out what is real, what's fake, what's just, you know, a smoke screen kind of thing. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, I'm looking forward to it myself. I, I'm a big uh zombie infection uh plot type of uh guy i prefer watching it and and also playing it on video games i haven't played games lately but, but anyway yeah so this one really sticks out the barn uh i i love the different take on the whole zombie thing it's refreshing mm -hmm. it's definitely different it's not your typical um, the zombies are coming to kill everybody type situation, which is a really unique idea, again, that Matt and Oregon really put into this film. They, they really made it more of like, it's the norm and everybody's used to the zombies now. And it's kind of just a part of the world and, um, they're not really attacking anybody. They're not really going for blood, at least that we know of. Um, and it's just, you're right. It's a very fresh take on the whole zombie genre. Mm-hmm. And um, since you have uh, studied the in infectious diseases and, uh, of course, watching the trailer, I can see that there is uh, many parallels to real-world situations in the film. Uh, so, so from your opinion and uh, the various documents that could be found on the web, that they, there's actually conting contingency plans for zombie apocalypse here in the U.S. That's mind-boggling. So what's your opinion on something like this? Of course, fictitious, but in a real scenario. You know, that's something that has always fascinated me also is kind of like the doomsday prepping. You know, they have that show about the people who are really into the prepping. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, I don't know, we could face something similar, maybe with um, biological warfare or something down the line. I hope we don't. Right. But the concept of the planning is really, really interesting. And I think that if it were to happen, you know, we'd all want to be prepared. We'd want our stockpiles and our bunkers and um, all the weapons, I guess, and tools for whatever we're fighting out there. And I don't know, maybe there will be a zombie <laughs> uh, infectious disease and hopefully I'll get to study it before it happens and figure out a way to fight it. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it makes for good entertainment, but there's also that what if situation because with so many um, research and development with with uh, war in mind, it, you know, you'd be surprised at what's cooking up in the in the in the laboratories. Oh, so much stuff! And honestly, reality is stranger than fiction right now, so we don't know what could be <laughs> out there. Yeah, uh, but to stray away from the negative outlook on <laughs> on the world, um, how did you prepare? for this role, Melissa Crawford, in my opinion, uh, she seems to be a very 
a mature individual and a strong individual uh, unlike most protagonists in film that they have that strong character or or the masculine build of a uh, action hero uh, she's regular person trying to solve her problem mm -hmm. so to prepare for her uh, matt and i had a really cool meeting where he wanted to go over um, his view for her and then my view for her. And so we really had a lot of similar opinions on how we thought that she should be portrayed, which was, you know, really strong, determined, career focused, and somebody that wanted to, like I said earlier, make her place in the, the journalism and reporting world. She wanted to um, really just carve out a spot for herself and do the things that were important to her. So when I was reading the script and when I was really thinking about um, who she was as a person, I tried to you know make comparisons within my own life and things that I felt really strongly about and things that I was really determined to do and use those same kinds of emotions when I was thinking about the lines that she was saying. So it, in a lot of ways, it's just matching my experiences with what I perceive her experiences to be and how she's feeling at the moment in the particular scene. So that's what I did mostly for preparing for her. And then of course, when we're in the scenes and you're in the atmosphere and you've got the other characters there, it's, it's a lot easier to play on the energy of the particular scene that you're in, um, which gives it a, a really cool, uh, realistic kind of vibe when you're watching it. Right. And from the performing arts, it's all about energy. And I, when I see the, the on-screen chemistry between the protagonist and the external conflicts or the antagonist, it's, that's what lures audiences to to see that character arc develop. Mm -hmm, exactly. And there's, there's a lot of that in this film, which is really fun to watch um, and really interesting to watch because there's, you don't necessarily know who the bad guy is at first. You don't know who is going to do something that the viewer is going to decide, am I on their side or am I not on their side? So there's a lot of protagonist antagonist relationships and scenes going on and it gives the viewer a really interesting and compelling story to watch cool and seeing that you're you're developing your career in 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 the performing arts uh what was one thing that you had learned from portraying this role and in, in this particular form of horror cinema one thing that i learned so this was my first horror style film um and so, I don't know what I would say I learned. It was it was such a cool experience and such a, like a, a career growing experience. I feel like there was just so much that I learned. And I, I was also working on, you know, in France with a team and a crew that were mostly French, which was a really unique experience. And so I guess I would say that I learned really how to adapt in the moment working with, um, a crew that I wasn't familiar with and working with a crew that had a completely different background and culture than I did. And just kind of learning how to adapt to this really awesome shooting that we were doing. Um, and then of course I learned a lot about being really active kind of like in the woods and outside. Cause a lot of the shooting I've done before has been in a studio indoors or just basic outdoor location. And so this was really cool. And I definitely learned a lot about what I needed to do to protect myself from scratches and cuts, 
bug bites and things like that um just that i hadn't really thought about before so uh, that's interesting that you make that uh, point uh because with with horror cinema uh it's very physical uh there's a lot of physical involvement in any type of character whether it's running through the woods or uh, battling some type of uh, force uh would this be something that you'd be exploring more in the future in uh, horror cinema in general? Definitely. Absolutely. After doing this and after getting the experience of being, you know, in the forest and running through um, the barn and everything, I'll definitely pursue that because it was so much more fun than I could have expected. Doing things that are a little stunty and uh, really active was just very it brought a lot of adrenaline and it was so much fun and everybody in the entire movie was was so active and they all had scenes outside and in the woods and in some crazy places and i think it's something that i'm really like really grateful that i got the experience to do because not everybody does get to do that and i definitely definitely will look for more running through the forest screaming type of films so (laughs) (laughs) that is something to look forward to and not only that uh just as we touched on earlier with with the whole premise and the the, the subtext of the the barn uh horror cinema in general is just a great platform for social commentary definitely and just from my experience being my mother's daughter and her um her career with horror uh i've gotten to see how huge the horror community is. She does a lot of conventions and autograph signings all over the world and I get to go with her and help her out. And it is so cool to see how many people are are so involved and even like the old classics and little niche horror films and indie films and all sorts of stuff. And people just, all the fans and all the people who watch these things are so into it. And that makes it so much fun for us because we really get to see people enjoy and appreciate the things that we really worked hard on. And, um, and then of course the stories are cool and the stories are compelling and they can bring out some conversations that people talk to each other about. And and just the whole horror community is really, really cool in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. And and get ready, uh, prepare yourself. You soon, you're going to be venturing into the, uh, doing conventions yourself. I would love to. They're so much fun. So (laughs) I will let you guys know if I have one coming up, that would be really cool. And this is just a stepping stone here uh, with the barn uh, from the horror community, especially with women in horror, is has exploded over the years. And you you mentioned that uh, uh, scene from behind the camera, seeing how the lighting is and everything. Is this something that you would consider once you uh, get your feet wet with acting, uh, writing, or directing? I think potentially, yeah. I I really enjoy um, doing a lot of like scene setting type of creative work. I think I've helped out on some other smaller films with doing, um, I don't know if you would call it like creative directing, I guess maybe you would call it just setting the scene and um, making sure that it looked how we wanted it. And potentially even directing. I, I really like to have a say in what's going on. I'm a I'm definitely got my own opinions. So I would, I think I would really enjoy that. And, um, I already do a little bit of 
coaching with actors on sets and helping the director get exactly what they want from the actor, which is so much fun. I mean, you get to work really closely with all your co-stars and with the director and, you know, make the visions match up. So I, I already do some behind the scenes stuff. I'm definitely open for more. I like the whole global vision of the film industry. Oh, absolutely. The, the sky's the limit these days. And I, as I mentioned, and I, I'll reiterate, uh, women in horror, oh, over the past few years, we have seen strong numbers of directors and writers and of course, actresses with their notable roles, which is most of the time regular characters and it's great to see that the running in the forest and tripping over a log it, it doesn't translate into our modern landscape of cinema right it's it's such a unique you know area of film and it has really been exploding and it it doesn't really matter as much anymore if the film is like super fantastic quality with all the best of everything you know what matters more is the story and the dedication and the creativity behind it and everybody just embraces it and i think that's so fantastic and i'm really excited to be entering the horror community and the horror film arena at this time like you said it's it's a great time and it's exploding so it's really I'm really happy about it. <laughs> Great. Uh, all the best of luck uh, uh, to you uh, and for these, for this upcoming film. I'm, I'm intrigued myself. Um, any closing thoughts that you wish to add for uh, the film The Barn? I just want to let everybody know that this is going to be one of those films that's going to get you thinking. And... I can't reveal anything, but you're definitely <laughs> going to watch it through because it's going to have a really, really cool, twisty story. So get ready. Mm, see, uh, I'm already ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you, you convinced me. <laughs> and, yeah, it'll be so soon. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, and also, uh, uh, one question that I add to every interview is the motivational question uh, and for in your case uh, with your origin story uh, what is that, what advices do you give uh, for someone who's still struggling to consider whether to venture into the workforce or just um, pursue their dream of performing arts i really have to say because this is something that i've i've experienced as well where i wasn't quite sure if i wanted to do it or not and I think the big thing is it doesn't matter what part of performing arts are or honestly whatever you want to do. But if you are thinking about something and you can't get it out of your head, then you need to go for it. Because if that, if that is all that your brain is focused on and that is something that you really can't see yourself doing anything but that, and that is your dream. And that is something that just seems like it takes up all of your, your passion and your energy. Then you just need to go for it and you need to figure out how to do it. You need to do your research, you need to contact people and network and find those connections that are going to help you get where you need to be. And, and that's the biggest piece of advice I can give is just go for it. If you can't stop thinking about it, go for it. Oh, absolutely. And it, that all ties into these motivational books that are so popular these days about visualization. I, I think the visualization is ingrained since birth. And when you have that instinct that you want to pursue something just go for it absolutely that's the best thing that you can do for yourself is do something that you're passionate about 
Right. Uh, the tragic side is of not pursuing it, and then you have regret, regret at the uh, elderly age, and then by that time, it's too late. You know what? I don't think it ever is too late. Mm. There's so many films and series that need older people, and it, you don't have to be in your teens and in your 20s to be an actor or you know, a director or anything like that, you can go out there and you can be even just an extra in something. They need age diversification in films. <laughs> They need people to be the little old lady or the little old man, you know? So it's never too late. Really, it's not. Yeah, you make a valid point. That is so true. And the first thing that came to my mind was that uh, creepy old lady from Poltergeist. <laughs> I was thinking of the the old couple from The Skeleton Key, which is one of my uh, favorite movies. So I'd love to play one of them. So <laughs> <laughs> with the advancements of practical effects, that could be done. <laughs> That's true. I could do it next year instead of having to wait 40 years. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> And um, what are your social media handles where our listeners can find you? Your preferred platform. Definitely, um, probably Instagram, which is, I was just at Piper Lincoln. It's very simple. Um, I have my website, piperlincoln.com also. And then my Twitter is Piper Lincoln eight. Um, I'm not super active on social media right now, but I'm planning to kind of gear up a little bit more. I've just been busy and traveling and you know, whatnot. So they can definitely find me on those and, and keep up with me and see what projects are coming next and what's going on with the barn. Cool. Uh Wait, I'm, now I'm curious. Any projects coming up that you could reveal? <laughs> I can't say anything specific, but I do have a potential project coming up um, in the next couple months. Another feature film that is likely to be a mystery, kind of a murder mystery. So keep an eye open and maybe you'll see some updates for that in the next coming months too. Uh, good. Oh, I'll definitely keep my ear to the ground and my eyes to the sky for that one. <laughs> Okay, great. Uh, once again, uh, thank you so much for this interview, for your time. Uh, fantastic film. Thank you so much for you're, having me. You're welcome. This is great. It was great talking to you, Ken, and I wish you all the best with Decay Mag. It looks like a really cool publication, so keep oh, it up. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that's my daily grind and my vision. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. It's really cool. Segment 2 exclusive interview. Actress Makala Lisiak. Got 16 dead. Triple that in injuries. Somebody lost control. He didn't lose control. Bill Hodges. Detective First Class. I'm now retired. How much have you been drinking lately? Not enough. Bill, retirement messes with people. Life is supposed to be messy. I read it somewhere. You need to find some sort of purpose. You just heard the trailer for Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes. And that brings us to our next exclusive interview, to which this is a special one indeed. Uh, she is a young actress at just 14 years old. I am. Her name is Michaela Lysiak, and she stars in Mr. Mercedes as well as TNT's series The Last Ship. I'm going to read an excerpt 
off of the official press release. At just 14 years old, Michaela Lysiak is already putting her stamp on the acting world, making her one of Hollywood's latest starlets on the rise. She is currently starring as Barbara Robinson in the David E. Kelly adapted television series Mr. Mercedes on Audience Network, based on Stephen King's best-selling Bill Hodges trilogy. Mr. Mercedes returns for a second season on August 22. In addition, Michaela can be seen in the fifth and final season this August of the highly successful TNT series, The Last Ship. This is a very special interview for me indeed. I'm always fascinated with young actors and actresses branching into the horror, thriller, act, uh, pretty much every genre that involves intense character-driven narratives. With that said, without further ado, here is my interview with Michaela Lysiak. Good afternoon, Michaela. How are you? Great. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Kicking off the interview, I always provide an opportunity for the interviewee to give a little bit an origin story. And yours is very unique in particular, given that you are starting your acting career at such a young age. Uh, please provide some insight on what got you into the field and whatever else you care to add. Yeah, so um, in third grade, I was in a play, The Wizard of Oz, and from then, I just really loved acting. I was cast as, like, the lead Dorothy, and, you know, just being on stage and being in front of an audience and getting to, you know, step into the shoes of a different person, it felt, you know, just really freeing, and I've loved it ever since, and, you know, I've been doing it since I was nine years old, and, yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, why I started. Thank you. And I find it fascinating, especially when it's in the genre, let's say horror, thriller or action uh, for young uh, performing artists to be involved in such a complex narratives, whichever genres that may be. Uh, in your case, how do you I'm out of curiosity, how do you juggle the, the, the workload learning the lines and also diving into your day-to-day -day activities? Yeah, well, um, it is kind of a juggle because I do go to regular school as well as act. So it's kind of like I'm living two different lives, you know, a business life and then, you know, a kid life. So, um, you know, preparing for roles and such, I really make time to get my homework done so that I have time to go over lines. And I usually, you know, read over scripts before bed. So that's like in my brain and I know it. And just going to acting classes and staying on top of my craft is really, really important. And it helps when I need to go out on auditions or, you know, go out for work. Thank you for that. And speaking about horror, uh, you're now starring in Mr. Mercedes, uh, one of Stephen King's many, many adaptations. Uh, uh, please give us some insight on your character and your role 
in this particular um, platform? This season, Barbara, to me, has changed into a completely different person. Um, Jerome comes back from Harvard and he's met with my dad, who's really happy. And he throws this huge party for Jerome saying, oh, you know, he he brags to all of the people at the party. He has straight A's and he's such a great student. And, you know, I'm there and I feel like I'm living in his shadow because he's such a perfect brother that I feel like I can't compete. And I'm putting this pressure on myself to be as good as him this season. So it's something that she really struggles with. And you'll definitely see that throughout the episode. One thing that really uh, catches my attention, not only is it that young performance, but also when the character has such a very complex development arc. And with that said, and with the current landscape now that everything is shifting, we have a more diversity in cast. Uh, what is your opinion on those two things, uh, the diversity in, in roles now that are opening up and also the complex roles given to uh, different ethnicities? I think it's such a great thing. I love seeing new projects being sent out where, you know, you can see not only Caucasian actors, you know, starring in the roles, but you can see, you know, Asian. There's a huge movie, Crazy Rich Asians, out right now, which is so good. And then, you know, African-American, they're all getting these opportunities to shine in different shows. And, you know, television is really pushing hard for diversity. And I'm such an advocate for it because any opportunity for someone like me who loves the craft um, to, you know, have it being based on talent, their cast um, is really a good thing instead of it being based on skin color. Your role, you star in The Last Ship. And this is another show. I, I catched a, a few episodes of that program. A very intriguing plot here dealing with the an outbreak and everybody is just surviving on this uh, last shift. Uh, what is the role that you portray in this film and how does that resonate to you? Yeah, so um, I'm actually, it's premiering in September, which is really, really cool. And in the episode, I'm getting a tour from the people on the ship. It's like they take a whole group of people and they're showing them the ship, you know, all the different features and what it's like to be you know, on a Navy ship and then um, the ship gets attacked. And so it's about, you know, evacuating everybody and getting them to safety. And it's really about the struggle that I go through being on the ship and going through this traumatic experience. So I can't wait for you to see it. For your other roles, I'm looking at your INDB here. And you starred an upcoming film, uh, What Still Remains. Uh, we actually covered the, the trailer to this podcast. Um in our last podcast and this has a relationship with the last ship it also has that what if scenario and human survival and you portray the role of sarah in that film uh, what is her character all about so in the film um yes my name is sarah and i'm a part of this village that um, the main character goes to and really I'm skeptical of her joining our um, our village because we don't want any diseases coming because that's a really big part of the film, you know, the spread of disease. Everybody's, you know, if they have this need to survive. So um, she's a part of this thing and I'm skeptical, but also 
I um, am a little bit jealous of her because she is engaged to one of the leaders. And it's a really cool film. Uh, thank you. And Mr. Mercedes, we delved into that, the last ship, what still remains. Uh, I'm assuming these, all these projects were pretty much grouped in the same uh, year production. Um, was, was that the case? Yes, it was. Uh, amazing, amazing. I, I still find it fascinating how you could remember the roles and, and get into different characters in such a quick pace, and especially at such a young age. That's com extraordinary talent right there. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was actually pretty easy, but um, it was really cool because I got to fly to South Carolina to shoot for Mr. Mercedes. And we also got to film in the mountains for what still remains. So I could kind of get into the characters based on where I was. So that made it a lot easier. Oh, wow. That's the first time I've ever heard something like that, that you're, you're, you could adapt to your character different, uh, depending on the environment. That's intriguing. Yeah. And even like um, on what still remains, I got to wear these raggedy clothes and it really got me into the character. From your opinion, from your professional opinion, uh, it's easy to just shed into one character and just get into the next one. Yeah, I do think so. Because, you know, when I read a script and when I'm reading the lines, you can definitely tell, you know, what the character's going through based on the subtext and, you know, what they say. You can really tell who they are just from the lines that they're given. So it's really cool to just jump into a person and, you know, use it based on the script. Wow. Yeah, I I have never acted. I, I give kudos to those who can because I know it's a it's a emotional and psychological um, effort that needs to be put in to make each character so different. Your INDB, you have the the these three projects that I had mentioned. Um, given there's so many genres, uh, does the horror, psychological thrillers or thrillers in general, does that pique your interest more? Do you have another genre that you feel, uh, yeah, I like this one uh, over the rest? Well, for me, I love experimenting with all genres. I feel like when you're, you know, doing comedy or drama or thrillers or any type of television or film, it really broadens your spectrum as an actor and, you know, it makes you stronger. So I don't really have a preference. Any job I can get is a job I will take. Um, but yeah, so I, I love all different types of projects and different genres. Uh, that's, that's absolutely uh, correct in so many ways. And, and even for um, older performers, who oftentimes uh, they find themselves just in one particular niche because that's what they like to do. <laughs> that's like, that's something I don't want to happen to me when I get older. Cause I see a lot of people who are stuck like in comedy. And then when they try and go for like for drama, you can't see them in the role because they've been, you know, playing these funny characters all their life. Right. Right. Yeah. That is a very tough transition. And especially with two genres that are opposite ends of the spectrum. What other projects do you have in the works aside from what I see here on INDB? The latest one is Mr. Mercedes. Yeah, so um, actually a new episode is coming out tomorrow at 
10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you will see me throughout that episode, which is really cool. I just finished filming for um, the Teen Network Brat, so that episode appeared yesterday, so that's online right now. And then the last ship in September, and what still remains is that right now. So just auditioning, waiting for the next thing, but yeah, I'm hopeful. <laughs> and with that said, you, you started your acting career at such a young age. But of course, the, the playing field is so open uh, for different areas. Let's say directing, writing. Are these eventual platforms that you would f see yourself diving into uh, once you get more comfortable in that area? Of course. I mean, I even write right now. I have my own little screenwriting software and I write down stories or different ideas that I have. And just being on set, I get to take so much out of the experience. Like, for example, Mr. Mercedes working with Jack Bender, he really taught me so much about directing and he made sure to give me some really good insight. And it helps every time I'm on a set because it inspires me to go out there and create projects of my own. Right, absolutely. And everything is just a learning experience in every different project, I assume. Yes, for sure. You can learn so much just being on a set and being in an environment where you can see the boom guys in action or, you know, the, the camera uh, people and the makeup artists. There's so many different aspects that go into creating a project. And there's so many things that you could venture into. And I'm interested in basically everything. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, all the best to you on, on that platform. As I mentioned before, that the platform is so open for you right now. Yeah, for sure. Like, and there's even platforms like YouTube where you can upload your own content and get it seen by millions of people. So it's a good time for creators. Right. That and that was going to jump into my next question with the advancements of social media. If you would be exploring something like that, there's not, not only on YouTube, they have Facebook Live and, and Instagram Live. This, all these platforms are offering a connection with the direct connection with the audience and the content creator. Yeah, like I'm so active on Instagram and I make sure to, you know, be on live or post on my story because people get really interested in other people's lives and it's something that's a really big thing in the acting industry because, you know, casting, they check, oh, how many followers do they have before they cast you on a show? And it's, it's like that in some cases. So it's becoming a really big thing that I'm trying to dive into. Right, right. And it's it's great for those who know how to operate the social media. Uh, fortunately for the older performers who are not hip to this current platform, is is like a, a, a too new of a thing. Yeah, I agree. My mom still has trouble like figuring out how to post on Instagram or Facebook and she has to have my help. Uh, to conclude our interview, I always like to offer one question in which the interviewee would offer some type of motivational uh, reply. But given your, you have started your career at such an early age, and what advices will you give any kid, a child, or even an adult who just wants to dive in, but they just feel restricted in some way that they can't or some other obstacles that are preventing them from doing so? What I would say to them is to just go for it because if you don't make a change yourself, nobody's going to make it for you. 
you have to, you know, grab the things that you want and try your best because that's the only way you're going to get there. And if you don't go for it, then nothing in your life is going to change. And even to like all the young people, I know it can seem scary that, you know, we don't have a voice in, you know, big industries and you really just have to speak your mind and make sure that your voice is heard because it can get overshadowed by, you know, adults. And I feel like young people and the youth have such a important say on life and on the issues at hand in the world. And we need to be heard. Absolutely. And, and that's where, of course, uh, going off from our last topic as social media, it plays such an intricate part in everything that you just mentioned. Yeah, because people can post about whatever they want and whatever issues are happening in the world, they can just speak their mind about it or share their stories. And it's a really great way to connect with people and learn from other people's experiences. Exactly. Thank you for that. And an open platform uh, to finalize the interview. This is the part where you could just plug in any of your projects, um, something you care to add, and of course, your social, your preferred social media handles, whichever that may be. Be sure to watch Mr. Mercedes Wednesday at 10 p.m. on Audience Network. And my Instagram is at Michaela Lysak. My Twitter is Michaela underscore Lysak, L-Y-S-I-A-K, because people get confused with my last name. And yeah, also be sure to watch me on the T-Network Brat called <laughs> The Talent Show. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. And just, just to point out, the, <clears throat> from, from what you had mentioned, yes, it, you have such a diverse... Um, filmography on INDB it is so amazing that you could just jump into any genre and that is the great way to develop not only your resume <clears throat> but your acting uh, persona you could just dive into any type of character in any type of role thank you so much that means a lot Segment 3. Trailer First Impressions. Suspiria. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. A darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare, others will finally wake up. Suspiria is directed by Luca Guada. Oh, I'm about to butcher this name. Luca Guada Nino. 
Writers are Dario Argento, Daria Nicolodi, Nicolodi, and David Kajanich. Man, I probably butchered those names. Uh, the cast stars Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, Maya Goff, Lutz Eberstorf, and Angela Winkler. Uh, ooh, that trailer can. Um, I don't believe I see. Is this a remake of the original Suspiria? I have not seen that movie yet. Um, but I see Dario Argento's name, so I'm assuming it must be. Yes, it is. It is a remake from the 1977 film. And that that movie was one hour and 32 minutes. So, yeah. If you haven't seen it, I, re- I recommend watching the original because Dario Argento just has a weird way of creating film. Everything is so surreal. He uses weird color textures and it makes the viewer uh, feel like they're in a psychedelic movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's actually um, really... uh, He's an icon right and of the uh, course yeah and I, I believe I've seen movies from him I'm trying to check now to see um, yeah but before watching the original I mean excuse me before watching the remake do watch the original so you can make a comparison on these two films and let me tell you even though this is a reboot and we all know uh, every listener who have heard listened to this podcast they know our opinions of reboots but i gotta say it looks it looks solid being the 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 visual effects are good it's creepy you have tension the cinematography looks good the acting is good so every it looks like a very good production based on what we've seen in the trailer and you know what it's also um, kind of reminded me of and I haven't I still haven't seen this movie yet but uh, movies like The Neon Demon right exactly you know it's just it's something about these kinds of movies um and I've dead like it's so much like to it like in the movie you know you talk a lot about um, symbolism and everything I bet there's a lot of that going on in the movie oh here yes in Neon Demon there's an, also another movie too about an actress who makes a deal with the devil so that way she could become famous I forgot the name right now but all those films have subliminal messages and it just makes you wonder how true these things are and that's the creepy part because if somebody comes up with the idea to make that into a film maybe it's not just an idea maybe it's something that really goes on and we we the regular public the average joe don't know about (laughs) 
And you know what's been on my mind for the since I, you know, first heard about this remake. Give your soul to the band. What is that supposed to mean? That <laughs> that tagline right there <laughs> has been on my mind. Right. What does it mean to give your soul to the band? Well, and for for those who really follow the subliminal messages and all that uh, hidden cults that are in Hollywood, basically, in order for you to become famous, you have to give something up. And what better asset than to give up than your soul? And guess what? After you do that, you become famous, a famous ballet dancer, a famous director, or whatever it is. So when I read that tagline, I was like, whoa, that's deep. (laughs) I should have thought about that because the same kind of uh, concept was in Starry Eyes. That's the one I'm talking. Yes, that is the one I was thinking about. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the same concept in Starry Eyes and it looks like the same kind of concept in the Neon Demon. Right. And actually, um, the the trailer for Neon Demon is creepy. Like, it's a creepy concept. And I still have yet to see it, but it just... I'm like, man, what is it about these movies? <laughs> and there, and you just, you just wouldn't think like movies like this would be so intense, just deep. But when I watched Starry, I was like, whoa. Like, and all she wanted to do was what, be a model, right? I'm like, all of that just to be a model? Well, like I said, there are things... Uh, one one thing that really caught my attention last year, and it involved one of our uh, content contributors. So there was an event here in New York City, and we got the press release in the in, in our inbox. But I was going somewhere else because I was during October. Not a shit happens in October here in New York that we got to cover. So I couldn't go to that one. So I asked someone else to say, hey. Can you cover this event? But when I was re- looking into it, I clicked on the website. It was a there was this uh, magician guy who talks to dead people, and he was gonna hold a séance. But the séance was held at a secret location in a mansion, and you had to dress like like if you're going to a ballroom. So I said, okay, that's kind of weird. But then I checked up on the guy who's doing the seance and the work that he's done and when i saw the pictures of the parties that he's worked at i was like whoa (laughs) this does not look kosher at all the people in the party were dressed the same way that the uh, elite people would dress for a sacrifice party you know, if you've seen Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise and you see the way they were dressed in that movie, that's how they were dressed in this party. And I say, wait a second, this does this does not look right. I even told the 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 person who has I signed it to, they even said, Hey, this doesn't look right. I don't feel comfortable. I say, Yeah, no, don't go. We don't know what type of thing that is over there. So tying into this film, 
there are some things that we may not know about about the industry music acting you mentioned starry eyes neon demon and this one hey probably there is some way for you to get famous we don't know about <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. And it always seems to be like, like you said, you got, I mean, you sit in like, when it comes to the fashion, you know, fashion arena, right? Um, modeling arena, modeling, dancing, singing, you know, it's those arenas where this, uh, this whole concept right here, where you have to pretty much now, like I said, sell your soul. Yeah. Just to seek, you know, fame. Well, and, and, fame and, and fortune. Right, exactly. <laughs> and if you look at this film, the dancer <laughs> looks like she didn't want to sell her soul, but unfortunately, she joins a cult. And she doesn't want to be in that cult. And that's when things start to happen. And I'm quite sure that happens in real life. Oh man, that is Creepy. well. And this <laughs> here, like, um, it's actually doing pretty well. Well, it says it's coming November second in theaters, but uh, for those who have already seen it, you got a few reviews here. It's at a six point nine already and the 1977 is at 7.5 so that's actually pretty good in comparison not too many you know remakes do that well to the original right and that's what i said we people who have listened to the show know we do not like remakes but i think i'm going to watch this i'm curious everything looks very well made now let's see if it does uh if it's better or equal to dario's vision of 1977. yeah and the fact that it's about two and a half hours like wow like 1977 was only like an hour and a half this one is two and a half hours i'm like okay that must be some long days but yeah, so I definitely I have to watch the original. Wow, I'm I'm excited for this. Killer Kate. One minute. Give me a minute, please. God damn it! One second, Dad. Hi. I can't believe my little sister is getting married. I'm so excited, Kate. <laughs> Poor girls all by themselves. Y'all be careful. So here's the deal. I don't want to starve you of the action, but I have to have the first kill. Next in our trailer, First Impressions, is the film Killer Kate. It has a release date according to INDB on the 26th of October, 2018 with the running time of one hour and 20 minutes. This synopsis reads as follows. Kate attends her estranged sister's bachelorette party at the request of their dying father. The weekend, 
held at a remote cabin booked on a home sharing app turns into a savage life or death struggle that pits family against family and past against present. The film is directed by Elliot Field and is written by Danielle Moya and Elliot Field. Okay, well, what can we say about the trailer? Uh, we have seen this film, these type of films, so many times before. We got a group of people in a remote cabin with a killer and people have to survive. They look like they're going to be killing each other or going up against each other because secrets become revealed as the story progresses. Wow, does not seem original whatsoever. However, I am definitely attracted to the uh, comedic blood and gore that is in this film. And I'm, I'm digging the trailer. Uh, it, it, it's okay. The acting is kind of eh, iffy iffy. But come on. A, a slasher is a slasher. And those type of films don't change at all. So Stacy, what were your interpretations of this film? Killer Hate. Well, I will have to say that I agree with you um, on a few points there. I think what I am most excited about is the strong female uh, presence there. It's reminded me of uh, Death Proof. Have you ever seen Death Proof with, I think, Kurt Russell's The Grindhouse film? I think it's by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, where. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yeah. these four women, um, they become the target of a, I think it's a serial killer. They, they become the target of a sadistic serial killer, but the tables are turned, and then he becomes the target. Ah, yes, I've seen that one. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, so um, that aspect of it, I'm very excited in, actually, and seeing that in Killer Kate, I'm just like, well, okay, there's something, you know, new there. Right. It's exciting. You know, you got the, I'm, I'm all for the strong female um, domination and tables turning. <laughs> you know, I'm all for that right there. So I think that's what is about this overall. But I do agree with you. It looks familiar. It's nothing we haven't seen. Right, right. And I love the strong female protagonist. The the female that picks up an axe or barbed wire baseball bat and kicks ass. I love that. As a matter of fact, I love it so much. That's why yes. I have a I have a tattoo on my arm of uh the final girl that's how much i love final girls <laughs> and actually you know i reference this movie a lot uh your next right you know she kicked ass in that film right and i loved it i'm just like wow now that's what i'm talking about right there finally you know uh finally you know the woman kicks ass. The woman who's a victim kicks ass. You know, tables are turned, and she's the aggressor on her attackers and everything. Right. You know, it's like I love it. I will never. It's like I don't think I will ever tire of that. After 
after so long of it being, you know, we talk about this time after time, after so long of it being the other way around, and finally there's this change. It's like, okay, I'm addicted to this change now. <laughs> I'm addicted to the female kicking ass. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So she, she's like, yeah, she, she reminds me of that. And her next and in death crew, they remind me of the uh, women in death crew. So, <clears throat> yeah, that that is what I am most excited about in this film. So I'll be giving this film a watch once it comes out because even though there's some downsides to it, like we've seen this before, the acting is kind of iffy. Uh, there's some comedy in there. I think there's some. There looks to be comedy which is you don't see that often in slasher films very rarely but they're out there but i i do enjoy the female kicking ass the final girl uh yeah so yeah i'll be giving this one a watch and I, you know what if you go on indb and you look at the poster that they have there temporarily i don't think this is the official poster but that poster is awesome you see Kate she's holding a shotgun she's covered in blood that is kick ass right there yeah and you know what Cena I'm gonna be looking for the one in the trailer where she goes fuck yeah I want to see that scene now after watching that trailer that part was funny to me that made me laugh fuck yeah <laughs> hey hey you never know it could be the new slogan you can see people with t-shirts fuck yeah on their t-shirts <laughs> and the fact that based on the trailer they're just doing this with no remorse at all they don't care they're just like fuck you guys just, you know she's just going around you know claiming her victim and she's over some stuff and she's like fuck yeah I'm just like <laughs> Exactly. It's too, awesome. <laughs> it's too awesome. I'm gonna be looking for that scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm. It, I think the pros outweigh the cons in this trailer. It looks like a fun movie, actually. It, it's uh, you know, you mentioned the acting kind of empty and everything. It it really just looked like one of those films you could just sit back and you know have fun with it right grab your bowl of popcorn and you know like go out with a few people popcorn and just have fun right yeah i don't think this is the type of movie uh to analyze on a psychological level and dissect <laughs> this and that yeah i think you're right pick up a weapon kill the kill the next person uh, rinse wash and repeat until the final credits and my only hope is that the special effects do not fail me. Right. Well, practical effects. Practical. Practical. Yeah. yeah. yeah with the <laughs> killing and all that. Do not fail me. Right. Don't put that squishy, bad-looking blood splatter or CGI blood splatter. We want to see the good stuff here. Good work here. The Nun. a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. 
paths did you see? I saw none. Word of my visions reached the church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Valak. Not all good. At a cloistered abbey in Romania takes her own life. A priest with a haunted past and a novitiate on the on the threshold of her final vows are sent by the investigate. Together they uncover the world the order's unholy secret, risking not only their lives but their faith and their very vow and their very souls. They confront a malevolent force in the form of the same demonic nun that first terrorized audiences in The Conjuring 2. The Nun is directed by Corin Hardy. Writers are Gary Doberman, James Wan. The cast stars Demian, Demian Bisher. Tissa Farmiga, Jonas Bookway, and Bonnie Aaron. Well, um, <clears throat> Ken, you know what? I am so at the middle of the spectrum with the nun here. Um, it's being said it's the darkest uh, in the Conjuring universe. And then they say something like that with Annabelle, and look how that turned out. Uh, on the other side of the token, these trailers that they have been coming out with are just like creepy to say the least. I mean, looks like a bunch of jump scares are in there and everything. Uh, so as far as the trailer is concerned, I am looking forward to the nine. What do you think about this? Yeah, I'm going to agree. When I first heard of the nun, I'm like, oh, here we go. Another spinoff another piece of shit like Annabelle <laughs> oh come on we don't need that shit and Ouija we don't need that shit but then as the trailers start rolling in I'm saying okay these the, the, the marketing people are really making an effort to make the nun creepy now for those who th- are easily influenced by traitors they'll say oh my gosh this is so creepy I'm gonna go see it I am still not convinced I think they're showing so many good parts in the trailer that when you watch the movie even though it's rated R I think it's not gonna be the same it's not gonna have so much impact and if recollection does serve me well I think Annabelle well I'm gonna double check right now I think that was rated R and look how great Annabelle was <laughs> I was gonna say they pretty much are the same thing with the Annabelle trailer too like uh, you know you get all these scary parts and then we watch the film you're like what the heck what what about the trailer you know I feel like she was scariest when her 15 seconds of fame in the conjuring that she was in her own movie right exactly and the director for Annabelle 
Gary Dauberman. He's also involved with uh, the the Nun as the writer, as the producer. So yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced that the Nun is gonna be spectacular. Will it be a good horror contribution? Yeah, I think so. But as far as giving it something different or really scaring people, nah, I don't think so. And look at the trailer. When you watch this trailer, it says, uh, be sure to watch it till the end or something like that. But like, why are you telling me what to do, David? I, I don't want to watch it at the end. I want to stop it in the middle of the trailer and say, fuck that, I ain't watching this shit. <laughs> Well, not only that, it says, like, you know, watch it to the end. It's like, okay, did I miss something? I mean, what exactly was so exciting at the end? I, I mean, I know she, like, kind of ran out there. It's like, oh, that, that probably was, you know, a little jump scare part there. But even more creepy are the amount of poster art that's been coming out. You, did you see all the fan, the fan-made posters as well yeah. that's been... Uh, coming up on Twitter. Yeah. Those yeah. are some great renditions. Those are some good stuff there. And you can get, a lot of people <laughs> are expecting this film. They're waiting for this film to come out. And I don't blame them because it is a new concept. We always talk about new ideas. Okay, this is a new idea. We got to support the new idea. Uh, am I gonna go to go to the movies and pay for it? No, I don't think so. I'm not gonna support it like that. I'd rather support uh, my electric bill uh, rather than do all that. Uh, but if it comes out on DVD or something like that, I'll buy it. This looks better as a DVD movie than a movie for cinemas. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Well, it's coming out this weekend, actually, in theaters on Thursday, and right now it's at a seven point three on IMDb. Um, so it's doing good so far. I don't know if it's really going to top well with the box office. Um, okay. I think. Yeah, I think that. Predator, well, which isn't releasing until next weekend, but um, I think Predator will probably do much better than the non Right, I think so too. <clears throat> Being that there's so many films that is coming out now that there's too much competition, and to release this mo- film to go up against the Predator. Either the Predator would lose or this one would lose. So, yeah, October. It's got a lot of movies are coming out. And, hmm, I, I, hey, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather wait for hey, this to come I out of DVD. Like, yeah, I definitely know. I definitely feel like Suspiria is going to do well in theaters. Um, Killer Kate might even do better than the <laughs> I think so, oh, too. Yeah, I think Killer Kate will uh, do better than The Nun. The Predator will do better. Uh, Darn, man. That's horrible. (laughs) uh, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. The the same thing was with The Strangers 2. 
they kept dropping trailer after trailer after trailer and when i watched the movie i'm like what did you guys do to this movie it is terrible ah oh, terrible and that is yeah, an opinion the no no it wasn't it was just a slasher movie that's what it was and they would kept dropping these trailers and i was excited too like ooh, this looks interesting okay cinematography acting all right check 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 went to the movie xxx (laughs) (laughs) and yes annabelle was rated r so goes to show you even though they could even fuck up a rated r horror film that's how bad hollywood cannot do a horror film Oh, Annabelle, man, that really disappointed me. But you know what? <clears throat> Annabelle, the creation was much better. I s- yeah, I okay, I care. Yeah, that was much better. It was an improvement. It was an improvement. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Like they show all the good parts or all the scary parts or whatever in the trailer. When you watch the movie, like what the heck is this? exactly and that you're not supposed to give away that's like that's like you're going on a date and you haven't a you have a one night stand and you're not gonna have the second date because well you had the one night stand already the guy already know or the girl already knows what you're <laughs> up to that's the same thing with the with the movie you gotta tease the audience and not reveal everything give audiences something to yeah. expect yeah, I think that's a good well, I parallel. Feel like with these, yeah. <laughs> I feel like with these trailers, with the nun too, um, they're giving away too much. Like now we know, like we probably see just about every jump scare in the actual movie. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, so now we know. Okay, now we know what to look up. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like you're you're not gonna jump when you watch the movie because you don't see seen it on chair so you're prepared exactly well I, I think by comparison with the first date I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's somewhat related there somehow <laughs> yeah the, I, I agree these posters are probably going to be scarier than the actual movie is <laughs> oh, that is terrible terrible oh that is that is terrible like i said the trailer itself it's like it's got me thinking like huh okay now i want to see it but just like you said it's like whatever they're just showing all the good parts and then you watch the movie you're just like no i want (laughs) my money back annabelle just (laughs) like they did with annabelle it's supposed to be the scariest the darkest in the conjure universe right that's what it's supposed um, to be yeah we shall see how dark it the nun really is down a dark hall what are you doing shut up what no you shut up no there's somebody out there orlonsky no uh I don't know. It's him. The man who attacked Elizabeth. The man from my dream. Who's Elizabeth? 
here is the clip from Down a Dark Hall titled <clears throat> Slumber Party. This is a horror dr fantasy drama released here in August 2018 and is directed by Rodrigo Cortez and is written by Michael Goldbach, Chris Sparling, Lois Duncan. And the synopsis is Hit Gordy, a new student at the exclusive Blackwood boarding school, confronts the institution's supernatural occurrences and dark powers of its headmistress. As I said, we covered the trailer to this film in a, a couple of podcasts uh, before this one. And one of the stars for this film is Uma Thurman. And Uma Thurman seems to be really diving in to the horror genre because she not only stars in this film, she stars in <clears throat> what was that other one? I can't remember. Harry something. Hmm. The, the name will come back to me. But in any event, Stacy, what do you think about this little clip here? It, it seems more, it seems, of course, obvious, supernatural. It looks like there's a slasher element here, mystery. But I think the horror is kind of watered down. Yeah, well, as far as this clip, I'd have to say that looks like the most boring slumber party ever. Um, but <laughs> you can't really say much because, as you as you said, I mean, there's there's a lot of suspense there. Actually, I mean, you got these you got this group of girls who are cowering behind this door because there's something on the other side. Well, it's like okay. Uh, what's from the other side so here you are you know when we go back to uh what did we just talk about when you go back to the nun and you know keeping something like kind of like a secret and not giving too much away so we see that here where okay they're teasing us they're teasing us with something there's something on the other side of that door there's a what is it is it a sinister force is it you know, it could be anything. So that's the aspect that I'm taking it as, actually. I'm thinking my mind is like wandering down a million different paths on what it could be versus these girls that are just like standing there bickering. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know. I'm, I'm hmm. Uh, in in a way, I'm curious to see what the whole mystery is about in this movie. But at the same time, it's like, well, I've seen this so many times before. There's a mystery. There's a ghost, probably a restless spirit. Then it's probably not even haunting them. It's trying to give them clues. Or, the you know, like the synopsis says, the mistress has some type of evil... Uh, secret behind her that could be she's probably hiding a secret so so many things that are so familiar but at the same time i want to know what is going on i'm torn let's say 50s now 40 40 to 60 percent of me torn to watch this film 
And I know one thing, if I see another slumber party, pool party, without an invite, I'm going to feel some kind of way. <laughs> what, they're not inviting you to the party? Right. <laughs> not inviting me to the party, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. It's, like you said, I'm torn as well. Uh, when looking at the clips, that's where my mind wandered. I'm like, okay, <clears throat> through this group of girls who's just standing here at, at this boring slumber party, I want to know what's behind the door. Right. And my mind just wandered off on what it could be or who it could be. Right. And that's the thing. Like, that's the thing I like about the clip. Like, they keep you in so much suspense. Absolutely. You know? that, it, it actually makes you want to watch the film. Right. And no, that is marketing campaign that's what they're doing they're trying to give you that little clip so that way it makes you watch the movie no i'm not falling for it or am i <laughs> well see that's one thing that the nun should have did they should have did something like that with the nun where it's like okay it gets you excited right you know because you want to know what's going on and the nun is so like on the other end of the spectrum of this movie where like you said like i said you probably just see every jump scare that's in the movie you probably right. just watch you probably just watch the whole movie right there in that minute or so minute and a half <laughs> honestly <laughs> truly so exactly exactly um, so Let's see. Let's see what. Let's see what happens. I may. I may watch it. I may. And it's not because of the trailer. I just. I'm curious to see how this plot is gonna come together. See, no, I'm not gonna admit that I get swayed by a trailer. No, I don't want to know who's behind it. You know what? I know what's gonna happen. They're gonna open the door, and there's nothing gonna be there. That's what's gonna happen. Right. That, that is going to disappoint me because I'm just sitting there battling with what can it be? It's something behind. Why did she stop the door? Who was it? Right. What, what is it? Exactly. And then you watch the movie like, oh, it's nothing. It's just, yeah, we're just staring down a dark hall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wolf Creek Season 2 Wolf Creek Season 2 Um, TV series looks to be doing really well actually it's at a 7.2 on IMDb well season 2 has released in 2017 and I have to actually catch up on the series I started the first episode of season 1 and I haven't watched more since um, but season 1 is on Shudder Right now, season two is not available in the U.S. It's only available in Australia on the Stan Network. 
um, I guess we should have a uh, worldwide release date pretty soon or U.S. release date. But um, as far as the whole Wolf Creek concept goes, um, I've seen the movie and I love them. And the character of Mick Taylor, <clears throat> actually John Jarrett, um, portrays Mick Taylor in both the films and the series. And that character alone is probably the main reason I watch. I mean, he's such a intriguing serial killer. Ken, uh, what do you think about, well, have you seen the series? Oh, yeah. I've watched season one. I watched all the films. I season two just went by past me. I I just totally forgot about it. I gotta watch season two. But this character, wow, crazy guy, killing off tourists in the outback of Australia. Talk about slasher. He this is slasher reinvented because it's not a traditional slasher because he uses many weapons and he doesn't have a mask. He's just cold-hearted killer torturer sadist whatever season one was great because we had the strong female antagonist her name was eve and her family got killed by by uh oh his name escapes me right now oh boy mick taylor mick taylor wow (laughs) so yes so Eve's family got killed by Mick Taylor so she went on a quest for the whole season to track him down and to kill him and if you saw that final episode in season one you say to yourself wait a second how the hell are we gonna have season two well here we are we have season two and that was textbook slasher film right there that the killer doesn't die for some strange reason this guy doesn't die i don't know why anyway 13 victims go on a bus that is going to stretch out for the whole season two i can't wait i'm gonna i'm gonna start watching this season pretty soon so stacy um i like this character he's a very interesting killer Oh, definitely. I loved him in the movies. I'm just like, wow, this is... He's not your average... Or I should say, you know, he, he's... Yeah, he's not your average killer or slasher, you know. Um, you can't really put him on the shelf with, say, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Or even, even if you want to get more life with John Wayne Gacy and all of them. You can't really put him on the shelf with those guys. He's something like different. He's his own person. Right. And I can't really pinpoint it exactly why, but um, I think he's one of the killers that just doesn't have a motive. Like, in the films, I can't remember there ever being any kind of flashback on, say, like his his childhood or anything was he uh, treated poorly as he right. when he was a child yeah they, they has he had a bad life yeah they covered that in season one of the TV series that he had a, a rough childhood 
Okay, yeah, because I don't remember seeing that in movies. I'm like, man, what is it about this guy? He's just, he's just like one of those, like whatever killers. He just came out. He just came out of nowhere and just started killing. Like he just woke up and said, "I'm going to start killing today or something." Because exactly. I don't remember them covering that in the movie, so I have to see the actual show to see that right right exactly they covered that okay. in season one and a little bit about him because eve was really uh tracking him down and going to his roots that that i enjoyed because you had the female versus the strong male uh antagonist here i don't know i don't know if eve is coming back or do we have well, another female i don't know as far as the cast goes, it's okay. So so far, it's from with John Jarrett, who plays Nick Taylor. Twelve episodes, right? It doesn't, but that's it. Like the rest of the cast is at six episodes in 2016. They don't even look like they come into 2017. Or here we have Tess. No, we have Matt Gay as Brian. Six episodes, 2017 and going down but um as far as lucy fry who plays the east door good he doesn't look to be in 2000 i mean in the second season i keep one pitching she doesn't look to be in the second season according to imdb right so i guess it is what it is and uh we're gonna have to wait and see for those who are able to catch this series before it arrives on netflix but for those who will be waiting for Netflix to pick it up, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, this is this is a series right here that has redefined what we consider to be a slasher uh, theme. Like I said, he doesn't wear a mask and he he uses different weapons. He is such a cold, cold-hearted, sarcastic mofo. That's what he is. <laughs> yes, and like I said, I can't. I'm like I can't pinpoint exactly when it like in the in the movies because I'm gonna go watch the uh, show. I like I said, I started the first episode and then after that I didn't get back to it. So I'm actually gonna go back and watch it because it's on Shutter. But yeah, according to the movies, I'm just like, what is it about this guy? Why am I so intrigued with this character? Yeah, you know, he, and John and Jared, John Jared, he plays uh, him well. He, <laughs> I, I can't see anyone else be, portraying this role, portraying Mick Taylor. Actually, I just can't imagine anyone else. He plays it that well. Exactly. Yeah, that role was meant for him. He has the look, the ruggedness, the the acting chops to to make this character really come alive oh definitely it's like man these movies make me never want to go to australia (laughs) the outback of australia yeah um, it's movies like this that just make you not want to not want to travel you know exactly (laughs) because yeah after watching a movie after watching uh these kind of movies you're just like yeah how about no how about we just go to like florida or something someplace safe yeah (laughs) someplace safe you know where all we got to worry about is but 
<laughs> and old people <laughs> because Florida is and, for uh, retirement. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh yeah, definitely. I I love um Nick the character of Nick Taylor and I was actually really excited when I heard about the series. So, yeah, I, I just But it looks like they have so far three episodes of season 2. The last episode looks like it was released on December 15th. Of this but, year? Um, so it looks like it's still no, in... This is 2017. Okay. But then, like I said, it was only aired in Australia on the Stan Network. So right. I don't see, you know, at when it's going to be released uh, in the U.S. or worldwide. Right. Well, we just got to wait. Netflix will pick it up. But it's also saying here, watch now on Prime Video. On... I mean, so I don't know if that's just season one or if that's season two. But on IMDb, it's saying watch now on Prime Video. Yeah, that's most likely season one. Okay. Yeah, well, season one is on Shutter, so I can uh, go to Shutter and watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I and I gotta I gotta catch up on season two. I, I like this guy. Yeah, I just want to see if there's a fem- strong female lead in here. Just like in season one. I, I, that's what I look forward to. So uh, what happens to... I mean, is there a reason why E. Thor... Or, yeah, why E. Thor good isn't in season two? There's some... Well, no, don't, don't answer oh, that. Oh, you got to watch... You have to watch <laughs> the, the, the last yeah, the, episode of season one. Okay. You got to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Don't I'm, answer the, that one. <laughs> I'm not spoiling it this time. You have to watch that last episode. The Purge TV series. What is America? America is, we've been told, the land of the free. So tell me that. What is more American than the Purge? I know it's asking a lot to work on Purge night. Do me a favor, be safe tonight. Please, stay within the protected area. As an American, you're free to choose how you will spend this evening of infinite possibility. If people have an evil way to get rid of their anger and rage, crime will go down, we'll all benefit. Closing out our third segment, Trailer First Impressions, is the trailer for the upcoming television series, The Purge. Now, wow, The Purge what a successful story this was in creating the film series now we have a tv series and a tv series what is it about the synopsis is set in an altered united states several unrelated people discovered how far they will go to survive a night where all crime is legal for 12 hours Now, we've covered the Purge TV series before and I always emphasize that I'm looking forward to this because it has diversity in the cast, especially the lead. You have Gabriel Chaveria, you have Jessica Garza, newcomers to the scene, Latino cast, Latino lead. You also have Amanda Warren, uh, African-American actress. Uh, from what I'm seeing here, Paulina Galvez, another Latina, 
So the cast is diverse. Finally. Great. Now for the purge. If you haven't seen the movie, this would look so exciting. If you've seen the movie, you know what to expect on this TV series. But Stacy, we always say that movies don't transition well into TV. I think this is the exception because there's not a real character in the purge because you could have so many different characters, different people killing. There's there's no protagonist here. Yes, and actually, um, I have to admit that just the whole concept regarding the purge is a kind that could extend itself for tons of seasons for the series. I mean, it can go so many ways with it. You know, it can even take place like, or it can even like say, what's that one show? Um, dark mirror how every episode is different all the characters are different and i heard um that that also compares to i think the twilight zone i mean that the concept on the purge it can even you know i i do succeed being a successful uh tv show yeah i think so too uh, let's see how far this TV series goes because this is only 10 episodes so technically this is a mini series if it does well they will we'll probably see season 2 if not then it's a one shot deal in any event I'm, I'm watching it uh, as I stated finally you have a horror production with diversity in the cast that's rare is either you see all Caucasian or all Caucasian. Yeah, you usually see all Caucasian. And that is not reality. You have diversity everywhere. So it should be in horror films too. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm still out of, out of touch uh, with The Purge. I, I still haven't seen past the first film, so I definitely got to watch the rest of the films and i'm actually going to tune into the show yes yeah, same here i'm going to tune in uh, there's something about this idea of the purge people killing i know it's not going to be as violent because it the, the movies are actually not that violent even if you come to think of it it's a purge it's supposed to be gory and bloody and all this stuff going on but yeah it, nevertheless there are really cool outfits. You see this guy, he looks like uh, that guy from Death Race. He looks like Doc, he looks like Frankenstein from that movie Death Race. He has that uh, mask with the body armor. That's one of the things that makes the purge so interesting is those costumes. Yeah, and actually I like the um, the mask in the first uh, film. I will say that, uh, yeah, I did. They were different. Yeah. I think they, 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 they all were. And especially part two, that, that mask is so iconic. Uh, yeah. So I, I think we have good things to say about this TV series. 
and it breaks the rule. We always say movies don't transition well into TV. This seems to be the exception. Thank you for tuning in to DK Mad Podcast Season 8, Episode 7. As I mentioned, we have exclusive interviews with actress Piper Lincoln, actress Michaela Lysak, and yeah, find us on social networking, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus, uh, Instagram, yeah, I did mention that one. The, the the handle is DK Mag D E C A Y M A G, not DK Magazine, not DK or the letter DK, DK Mag, and that's across all platforms. My name is Ken Artuz, your host, and I was joined tonight by my co-host Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mag. Be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash DK Mag. Your donations will help us bring future episodes as a patron, receive bonus content as on free, and discount on upcoming DK Mag merchandise. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Stacy, for joining and talking about all these interesting topics. Until next time.